My guest today is Clark Bartram, a celebrated fitness expert, former U.S. Marine, and an accomplished fitness model, writer, and trainer. Now, he has established himself as one of the world's top online trainers and previously hosted a TV fitness show. Now, Clark's passions for sports led him to pursue bodybuilding and then become a personal trainer, earning this prestigious title of ISSA Master Trainer. Now, Clark continues to offer online fitness coaching, focusing on men over the age of 50, and Clark is founder and host of the Maximized Man podcast. So today, we talk about fitness and prostate health. So let's welcome Clark Bartram to the show. Welcome, Clark. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it. You're such a professional. I feel like I'm on like Larry King Live or something right now. Hey, I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. And uh, boy, you are one fit gentleman. Well, I appreciate that very much. That's why I exist. I am here to really inspire men, as you said, over the age of 50 to realize there are options in life as it relates to improving our health. So if I can be the example of that at the age of 60, even considering what I'm facing now, which we'll talk about more later, I am gladly in that position in life. And I really feel like this is what I was created to do. Well, when did you get into fitness? October 3rd, 1963, the day I was born. I think, like I said, I was created for this. You know, my life, as I look back on it, has been just one steady stepping stone from one thing to the next. I grew up an athletic kid and then joined the Marine Corps. And then from the Marine Corps, got into the gym business, which got me into bodybuilding, which got me into the magazines, which got me into TV and film. And all of these things revolved around my physical prowess. And, you know, I've been asked that question a lot. And I really am serious when I say October 3rd, 1963 is when I got started because I've been on a path every day since the day I was born. And here we are right now. Well, how fit were you before you became a Marine? I was fit. I was lean. I was, when I joined the Marine Corps, I'm five feet eight. I was 165 pounds. Right now I'm 185 pounds. I had visible abs. I had a, a the, like what you could see would be a physique someday. The muscles were all there. There was definition but there was just no work put into it. It was all from playing sports, running around, kick the can and all the stuff you do as a kid. They don't do that anymore. So kids try that game, kick the can. It's a lot of fun, but <laughs> it's, it, it's all because of a genetic predisposition. I do realize this. I talk about that a lot, that I was genetically predisposed to be who I am today. But the lifestyle that I fostered along the way is really exactly why I'm at where I'm at today. Well, I've noticed that your photos, they, I mean, you are in incredible shape. I mean, you, to me, you're more ripped than The Rock. And you have what I call that, you know, you have that physique where you've you got that, that V going, where from here down, I mean, it, you're, I mean, you are... A, a, a model for men over, over 50, over 60 years old that, you know, look, we don't have to be looking at using a, a walker and, and slouching around at that age. We can be fit and active and strong. I appreciate the compliment. And that's obviously the hook that I use. And the question I get a lot of times is, Clark, do you look like that all the time? The answer is yes. I mean, it's, it's constant. I, it's not anything that's Photoshopped. 
And contrary to a popular belief online, I don't do TRT, testosterone replacement therapy. I don't need any of these aids because I maintain a high level of testosterone through my lifestyle. And that's really what I teach men when they come to me in my program. And again, my hook is my body. So I do a lot of things that might seem a little bit cocky in a way when you look at me online, but it's, it's all marketing. It's 100% to be polarizing in a way where guys comment, it feeds the algorithm, more men who need to see it, see it, and then they can end up making a decision, go, you know what, I've watched this guy long enough. He's here, he's not going anywhere. He's admitted things in his life that he's dealing with personally. I'll give it a shot. And I have guys sign up every single day in my program. And there are literally thousands of men from all walks of life all around the world who are currently benefiting because they didn't buy into the lie that you just referred to. We don't need to be on a walker. We don't need to be 50, 60 pounds overweight like the average American is, unfortunately. There are options available and it doesn't require anything other than commitment. That is it. That is, that is it. And I've got to ask you something, Clark, because this you've seen this year after year after year. How have you been able to stay motivated when it comes to fitness? Because so many try to make the effort every year, but eventually they just fall away from it. How can we all stay motivated with our fitness? Never use that word motivated again. It's, it's, it's completely overrated. Motivation is only as good as your discipline to maintain whatever feeling you have at the moment. Motivation is an emotion that ebbs and flows like the tide or it's like a roller coaster. It's commitment is what I said earlier, right? So let's use marriage, for example. We're not always excited about our relationship. We're not always feeling like we're in love. We're not always wanting to go buy flowers and do that. But because we stood before a clergyman and all of the people that we know and love and made a what? A commitment. We didn't make a motivation to get married. We made a commitment. And when it gets crappy and you don't want to do it, you have to lean back on that commitment if you have any integrity and say, you know what? I stood before a room full of people and said, for better, for worse. And... It's so easy to quit on your marriage or your fitness program when it's not better and it's worse. Like, oh, I want that pizza that's in the office. It's, it's motivation won't get you past that smell nine times out of 10, but a commitment will. When you walk up and say, you know what? I committed to this process by hiring a coach. I committed to this process by telling everyone in my circle that I was going to do this once and for all. And, and here's something that I learned years ago from a mentor of mine by the name of Ed Cole. He said, Clark, you're only committed to what you confess. So that's what makes the marriage bond, because that's why they put us in front of people, right? To do that, because you're committing and you're confessing in front of the people that love you the most. That way, when I call you up and say, I'm tired of my wife, they say, well, okay, bro, I get it. But what about that? My mom said this to me one time years ago when I was young and married. She said, did you marry her for doing laundry? That's what I was complaining about at the time. And I'm like, no. She's like, all right, then get over it and move on. I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> and that's what I tell guys in my program. It's like, come on. You knew you needed to walk on the treadmill. You knew you needed to go lift weights. You knew you needed to eat these foods. So why are you calling me right now? I have no empathy for that. Do it. 
Well, I, I love the analogy because that is exactly what happens. Motivation is an emotion. Commitment means, hey, you're, you're doing it. Now, where do you place discipline in that? Discipline is something that, you know, people argue is something you're born with or something that you develop. You develop it every single day of your life. Everybody is disciplined in some area. I often make the reference of if you have a lot of people who are displaced from their homes living in your area, you'll see them out on the street with a sign asking for help, asking for money. That requires discipline to do that. So the thought then becomes, if you take that same discipline and apply it somewhere else in your life, maybe there would be a different outcome. I've spoken a lot in prisons. I've seen more discipline in prisons learning different, really shady things, to toss a note under a door, to figure out how to communicate from one floor to another through getting all the water out of the toilet and speaking down through a thing. Like, genius discipline and all of this stuff. I'm like, wow, man, we need to take some of the discipline that we have in another area, reframe it, reapply it in the area of health and fitness and watch and see what happens. Everyone has it available. We just tell ourselves we don't. We buy into a lie that we personally tell ourselves. And, and using the prison reference, it's you become a prisoner of your own mind. B, because you're telling yourself certain things, now you're boxed in. I can't lose weight because my family's all fat. No, that's not true. It's a story you told yourself, but you bought into it. Here, here you are. How about we open up one of these and, and let a little bit new information in and, and, and apply some of the discipline that you have to eating? You know, you don't need to be perfect. That, that's the thing is people, they beat themselves up when they mess up. I'm not perfect. No one is. And that goes back to emotion. 100%. It's all connected. That's why when I coach men, I don't just talk to them about treadmills and tilapia. I talk about the real stuff. You can't separate the mind, the body, or the spirit from someone when you're coaching them. It's all inclusive. And it's usually the mind and the spirit that cause the body to be where it's at. So if we're out of tune in these areas, it's got to manifest somewhere. It has to. And typically it manifests in our body because we do things to ourselves to numb the pain, to feel better, whatever we call it. Then it, it, your body is the most adaptive organism on the known universe. It will adapt to the demands that you place on it, period. Period. End of story. Well, for you, you how long, well, Clark, how long do you work out per day? 20 minutes. My workout is 20 minutes. And then I do 30 minutes of cardio afterwards. People see me at the gym. They're like, dude, are you done already? And then I'm pretty cocky. I pull up my shirt. I'm like, do I need to do anything else? And I walk out <laughs> to make a point. People think they need to be in the gym for hours at a time. That's not true. I blew up on TikTok with something called three moves, three minutes where I did three body weight exercises, jumping jacks, walking in place and twisting like Jack Lane used to do back in the day. And it blew up. People were resonating with it because not everyone walks around at a low body fat percentage. Not everyone has time. Not everyone does this for a profession. This is what I do for a living. So if I didn't look the way I looked, I wouldn't attract anybody. So I don't want people to look at me or anyone in this position 
on social media and compare themselves to us because the flip side of that is if I came to your job and tried to do your job as good as you do it, you would need to train me. You would need to coach me. I would get better. I would get more disciplined. Maybe I'm not motivated to show up one day when you're going to have me do something I'm not comfortable with. Okay, Clark, we're going to stand up in front of 50 million people today and talk. Oh, I don't want to do that. I'm nervous. But the motivation doesn't carry me through. The commitment that I made to you, I'm going to be a great podcaster. I'm going to be a great radio host, whatever it is computer programmer, fill in the blank. So change roles and, and, and look at it from the position of, okay, how would you treat this person if they were learning something new? It's, it's, we frame everything wrong as it relates to fitness, if you're struggling. Now, if someone is, let's say someone hasn't exercised in years, can they just start off with the 20 minutes a day? I would start off with a walk. That's it. You know, you don't need to ramp it up to 20 because 20 minutes could be a lot for somebody, depending on how deconditioned they are, depending on how much weight they need to release from their body. See, that's another different framework of how to speak. We're releasing weight. You've served me. I don't need you anymore. I learned the lesson. I'm releasing you now. Now I'm trying to lose weight. I'm going to lose 100 pounds. I'm going to lose this. Well, most people find it again. And, and how about if we release it? and understand that it was there to teach us a lesson because the lesson was diabetes medication, high blood pressure medication, all of these things that are results from lifestyle choices. Yes, I said choices. And that's something people need to really accept. And when we start to release the weight, you know what else we release? The medications. I see it every single day and that is not exaggeration. Every single day, I have the privilege of waking up from messages from men that I coach saying, guess what happened to me today? Fill in the blank. And it's everything from getting off medications to marriages being saved, to businesses being more productive, to getting raises at work, because you become a more productive human. You have more energy, you have more confidence, you have more swag. Well, that's true. And, uh, there was a thought, I had a thought in my mind. I was going to ask you, um, my goodness. And it was a really good question too. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I was rambling. Oh, oh, what did you, okay. Because of, and, and I agree with you. Some people just need to start out just walking. I love the 20 minute type workout. What was your opinion when the TV shows like The Biggest Loser were on the air? What did you think of all of that? I never watched it once, and I'll tell you why. Neither did I. I, was, I just worked with one of the hosts, Kim Lyons. She and I just worked together two days ago. 23 years later, we hadn't seen each other. We shot a cover, and we both looked better. But I was one of the people considered to be a trainer on The Biggest Loser. I came down to me and Bob Harper sitting next to each other at the final, final interview. And then the, the receptionist, I'll never forget it. She's like, all right, it's down to you two. May the best man win. And I looked at Bob. I'm like, I got this. And no disrespect to him. That's just the confidence I had. And then I went into the room. We did the interview. And there's reasons that I didn't get it, in my opinion. But it worked out. But I never watched the show because of that. But I heard a lot about it. And I heard most of the people gained the weight back because it's not sustainable. What they were doing to those people is not sustainable. And that's another word that people need to write down right now. You need to write down consistency 
You need to write down commitment and you need to write down sustainability because those things are really are the cornerstone of any good fitness program. So what do you think of things like uh, CrossFit and boot camp type workouts? They're great. If it resonates with the person doing it, then by all means, they're great. And they do resonate. I mean, boot camp is what got me really to where I'm at today. So I love the idea of boot camps because there's someone in charge. There's someone taking control. There's someone leading a group of like-minded people in a direction to transform them to something different. So when I went to Marine Corps boot camp in 1981, the goal was in however many weeks boot camp is, 16, 20 weeks, I can't remember. But by the end of that, I was meant to be a different person. And I'll never forget when I came home from boot camp, I was standing at parade rest. It was just natural to me now. And my sister looked at me, she said, she said, you're different. And I said, isn't that the idea? Wasn't that the goal of me going to boot camp? And that is the goal of a boot camp class. CrossFit is great. It's, it's certainly not for the weak of heart. I see a lot of people in there that I, I wouldn't personally do it. It's just too hard. I don't want to work that hard. <laughs> well, how did you get into acting and modeling? Just that progression. It went on one day with modeling. I was at a bodybuilding show and I saw all these photographers taking pictures of this guy. And I thought to myself, I look as good as he does. Why aren't they taking pictures of me? So I went and asked the photographer and she said, sure, let's do it. And I shot some photos and that turned into a career. And then I was working at a gym one day and a guy told me that he had just ran into a girl named Kiana who had a show on ESPN and they were casting for new, new hosts on their co-hosts with her. So I went to the audition and did great, got that. And then from that, I ended up getting my own show. And then because I was in shape and I have this look, there was a guy that was looking to cast a Batman movie that he was doing a short back in 2003. He was trying to get recognized by Warner Brothers to be the director because there was a, a lull in the Batman movies at the time. So I did a movie called Batman Dead End because I have a square jaw, dark, or, you know, the, the whole look. The only thing was that the person they were looking for, they wanted him to be like 6'1". And I, I told my buddy, I said, you do realize who you're talking to, right? I'm 5'8". And, and uh, he's like, just go to the audition anyway. The, the people in Hollywood like that all over the place. So I went and apparently nailed the audition. And that thing has become something. It's a cult classic. It really is. I, I have all this Batman stuff in my office here that people sent me. And it's, it's crazy. Well, you know, it's funny because Hollywood, you know, they, they know how to use a camera angle to make people look tall. I mean... You know, pe people think Sylvester Stallone is six feet tall, and he's not. He's what five six or something. Five no, he's seven. taller. You know? I know Frank. I know his brother. Yeah, he's, he's Stallone's a little bit taller than people give him credit for. <laughs> and you don't know, even Tom Cruise is not six feet tall. No, Tom Cruise is my height, and everyone tells me you look like Tom Cruise's dad. I'm like, do you realize Tom Cruise has aged since Risky Business in 1989, whenever that damn movie was? And, and he's older than me. And yeah, I don't, I don't have all the Hollywood effects and money that he has to, and, and I'll go head to head with Tom Cruise any day. Yeah. You probably wouldn't mind hanging off the side of that airplane, huh? No, not at all. I love the fact that he does his own stunts.
Why well, you got to hand it to him for that. But I got to ask you something because let's talk about prostate health. So what do men over the age of 50 need to know and do? They need to understand that it is up to them to take charge of their prostate health. I have recently been diagnosed with prostate cancer. So I've used the platform that I have of coaching men over 50 who one in seven or eight of those men will be diagnosed just like I have. So the first thing that men need to do is, is do a screening, a PSA screening. So I went as far as creating a nonprofit organization called Check It Like a Man, because that's what you're doing. You're checking your PSA like a man should. Don't give me the excuse, I don't have the time. I don't go to the doctor. I don't wanna know. All of these things that are absolutely just complete BS. And that's why I created this PSA screening kit that I ship to men. So when he says, I don't have time, to go to the lab. Well, I'm going to send the lab to you. I have a facility here in San Diego where we do the, we do the test. You, you drip blood on a card. We reconstitute it out, test it, send your results back. That way you can either get it off the list of things to focus on or get it taken care of. Because again, one in seven men will be given this diagnosis. Black men are more at risk than white men are. So I'm saying check it like a man. My, my nonprofit, again, is checkitlikeaman.org. And it is, it is vital for men to take control of that. Well, it's not something you, well were you surprised by the diagnosis? I'm Clark I mean, Bartram. You know what I mean? I'm, I I'm the fit guy. I'm, I'm the last person on planet Earth that I thought. But here's the, what I'm learning. Cancer is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter if you're, you're Mr. Fitness or a guy who's 100 pounds overweight. But here's, here's the issue. A guy who's 100 pounds overweight is going to be, be at a higher risk of problems during radiation or surgery or any of the modalities that he may or may not choose to be treated for his specific type of prostate cancer because it's different in every man. And here's the deal about PSA screening that I want men to understand. It doesn't mean if you get a high PSA, so your PSA Prostate-specific antigen is a protein that floats around in your blood that is, is released from your prostate gland, which is an excretory gland. It's made to produce semen. So if, for, in fact, if, for example, a guy ejaculates prior to getting a PSA, there will be PSA in his blood because of the ejaculate that has been released. So you don't want to have sex or do anything two days prior to taking this screening. But the reality of this screening is, if you have a number that's elevated, anything below four is where people start to get concerned. Mine was 8.9 when I realized something was nefarious happening in the background. And so if you're below a four, you're okay, but you should still take a product like I take. There's a product called Pectisol, it's modified citrus pectin it's it's what's found i have orange trees out here it's what's found in this the orange peel we've all heard about that the orange peel has all of the products for your prostate the product with orange peels is your body doesn't digest that enzyme that is available to help with prostate this product pectisol does but anyway the yeah the but, point I'm but clark on this uh modified citrus pectin isn't yes. that used to prevent um cellular abnormal cellular division Partially, yes. And there's, there's a lot of studies that show what it does. Independent studies outside of like companies who make it 
But what I use it for personally, so here's what happened. My doctor, we, I have a doctor who's non-standard of care. So we're looking at all of the reasons I got cancer because what I was going to say is cancer is a symptom. Checking your PSA is a screening only and is a check engine light to see if something is going on. It could be BPH, it could be prostatitis, and it could be prostate cancer. So with respect to the, the PSA numbers, if you're below a four, you're okay, but you should still get checked and get on a product like that. If you're above, head straight to your urologist, period. No questions asked, don't pass go, none of that. But with respect to the modified citrus pectin, I personally use it for lowering my PSA. There is evidence to prove that that is something and it's not blocking anything to give you a trick like finasteride would, the people use for their hair. That's not it at all. My doctor who I'm working with in Scottsdale, Arizona is non-standard of care. We're doing a deep dive and getting data on me from saliva, feces, blood, and urine. And I have more data about me and the chemicals, the bacteria, the, the worms in me, parasites, all of this stuff. I'm now dating stuff back to when I was a Marine. There was just some information that came out that JP5 jet fuel, which I've been doused with more times than I can tell you from head to toe, is linked to cancer. There, there's so much exposure that I've had that we have collectively, you have environmental and emotional exposure, stress, environmental stress, emotional stress. That's the first thing that we need to deal with. And then, then down the line. So I know I kind of went all over the place there. No, but no, no, that's okay. But oh, are, are there any particular nutrients that uh, you take or may suggest for men to maintain and promote better prostate health? Yeah, that, that pectisol for sure. That'd be the one thing that I would do. So because you don't want to start taking a ton of stuff. So when I was being very public about my diagnosis, I got hit with every anecdotal mom's recipe in the world from coffee enemas to you name it. And while there might be some merit to some of these because your uncle's sister's cousin had some benefit with it, where's the data to support it. This Pectisol product has data to back it up with specifically where I get mine from. There's a company called Econogenics where I get it from. And, and I know I've looked at the research. I looked at the data. I talked to their doctors. I talked to their research. I got all of the information that I needed. Plus my doctor sent it to me. My doctor that's sending me all this stuff for the bacteria in my gut. I already had it and he sent it to me. And I'm like, I just got this stuff. And, and I asked him why he said it. And he's all about data. He said, Clark, I have the data to back up what they're claiming with people that I've used it with. And now I have data on you. I know it's going to work. So I've referred this to every guy that's come to me because at some point there's going to be some inflammation and something happening. We need to be proactive. We are so reactive in our Western culture. It's just embarrassing. It's oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Because I've known about uh, modified citrus pectin for years, and many people with various forms of cancer can actually use modified citrus pectin, especially cancers that are more of a tumor type, and, uh, and then anyone can benefit from it. And like you said, we can take this, male or female, we can take it every single day and benefit from it.
I just got done drinking mine. The, the only issue with it is that it coagulates a little bit. You got to really shake it well. So the company Econogenics that I get it from, they send you one of those hand blenders. Bzzz, you mix it up. It's tasteless. It's, it's a single ingredient product. It's not like it's formulated from all of these different things, which some products need to be. But because I tell people eat single ingredient foods, I love single ingredient products that have data to back up the science that is there that has proven that I personally will benefit it. And, and I see my PSA has gone down. Sometimes it bumps back up, but it goes down. It's, it's at least, I'm two points down from where I started after, after my biopsy, the biopsy shot it up. I, that's a whole nother topic, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's common. That's yeah. common. So how, how long have you been diagnosed? I, so my birthday is October 3rd. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to slide into 60, just the most just fit guy ever. So it must've been around September 27th because it was just a couple days before my birthday. I'm like, damn it. I, I, this is what I'm bringing into 60. And, and you know, it was really funny because so, so say this is my energy level right here. The minute I was sitting in this office, my wife was right behind me. And the doctor said, we found cancer. Here's what I did. Boom. Boom. I instantly went up. I'm like, let's go. Let's go. I'm the perfect guy for this. Literally. Because of who I am in the fitness industry. The fact that guys will not listen to their wife. The wife the whole time is saying, honey, go get checked. Ah, I don't need to get checked. Now suddenly they see me pop up online, right? This guy that they've been watching for a long time, doing all this stuff that I do. And I say, check your prostate, go get your PSA done. And the guy's like, honey, I need to go check my PSA. This freaking fit dude got it. I better go get checked. She's like, I've been telling you this for a year. So if I can bridge that gap, which I know I have already because I have so many guys who've come to me and said, Clark, thank you for going public with this. Thank you for taking on this role of the ambassador of this thing. And I'm trying to change the language around it too. I don't like the way people speak with regards to this diagnosis. It's just, I'm changing the whole, for me, and, and I hope it catches on with the guys that come into contact with me because it's all about your attitude and your energy and the way you approach this, man. That's the number one thing. So if I, would have went, if I would have went here, tucked my tail between my legs and went, oh my God, and not done this, there are guys watching me, us, whenever this is going to be released, that will go, I got to get that test. I did a podcast the other day. Five of these went out the door. My guy that runs my store is like, what did you do? I said, I did a, podcast, a radio show yesterday. It was live. So they. Well, how often do you suggest getting a PSA test? It depends. So the, the standard of care model and the guidelines that are out, they'll say, you know, usually after 50, they'll start to recommend it. Now I think they've lowered it to 45 because of the exposure both emotional and environmental that we're at, like all of these different chemicals specifically. I say, if you're going to your doctor and you're 21 and you're getting blood drawn for something else, tell him, I would like to have my PSA checked. And the doctor will go, why? You're only 21. And the answer should be, because I said so, <laughs> period, period. 
we don't do this in our doctor's offices because they have the white coat, the stethoscope, and all the certificates on the wall. You have the right. So if you're 21, 45, or whatever, so if you have below zero, if you're non-registering at all, once a year. But if you're creeping up and you're round four, where you start to get concern, then every six months, like this is available. That's why I created this. Yeah, I do it's mine probably every six months because mine goes between 1.4, 1.8. Beautiful. Beautiful. You're great. And, and continue to do what you do because now you know that's not an area of concern. And honestly, who knows? But let's pretend for a second. It's because you've known about modified citrus pectin for the last 20 years and you've been using it because you understand the benefits. It's like almost a mild chelation, if you will, with regards to that's what you were correct. saying. That's correct. Yeah. So every man should do some sort of chelation after the age of 50. But typical chelation is too much for a lot of people because you could get sick if you're just ripping all of that stuff out of your body like this. So if you went to some university and had some high intensity chelation process done, and I'm saying that because a friend of mine did that, and he came back, he lost a bunch of weight, he got sick because it was too much for the body to handle right, right away. Yeah. But if you're doing something like like pectisol, it's it's just simply every day it's a mild, you know, pulling out of, of this these chemical exposure. Let's talk about toothpaste. Triclosan, triclosan in your toothpaste, we're all in love with what we grew up on. It's garbage. Whatever you grew up on is garbage. And if you're still using it, you're putting triclosan in your body. And I'm saying that because the number one thing we saw in my data with regards to chemical exposure, triclosan. Wow. So we had to get that out of my body, right? And here's the other thing is men don't look under the hood when they get a diagnosis. They automatically listen to the surgeon who is their urologist who says, oh, we got to cut that out. And they go get it cut out. Why did you get it, man? If you go get it radiated out, you still have a prostate. And if you don't deal with the underlying reasons, you could very likely get it again because there's still a prostate in your body. Yeah, and the other thing is too that one one reason why I love the fact that you are advocating men to get their PSA checked. A lot of men over the age of let's say a lot of men between the age of 50 well let's just say 45 to 60. They don't get a PSA test because they think that prostate cancer usually is found in men over the age of 65 or over the age of 70. So they still think I got time. Well, you're looking at a 60 year old man who is in really good health. Otherwise that has it. So there goes that theory right out the window, right? I'm not 65. I got it at 59 is when I discovered it. But the question then becomes, how long did I walk around with it before I knew I had it? And, and that is the case. So the beautiful thing about this diagnosis is there's time. I told you I was diagnosed September 27th or whatever, which that's my mom's birthday. Now that I think back on it, I have been doing work, but I didn't just instantly go run 
and do some standard of care type of reaction to it because that's what it is. It's a reaction. It, it, well, it is a reaction. And, uh, and, and of course, we both know that the majority of prostate cancer is extremely slow growing. And there are very few types that are very aggressive, but those that are slow growing, usually the right doctor will say, we'll just watch it and not rush in with a knife. Yeah, that depends on the Gleason score, right? That's a whole nother thing. I've right. learned all the, so my Gleason score, so my particular description, so notice how I'm changing these words around <laughs> is, is a four plus three, which is the one that's concerning. So if they were all three plus four, it still equals a seven, but a four plus three means that supposedly, not always, supposedly they found more cancer in that core sample than not. So it was 75% cancer tumor compared to benign. I got so you. that's what they respond to is the four plus three, even though out of the 12 core samples, only one of them or two maybe was a four plus three. So they instantly throw all the other ones out and treat this one. So because it's a four plus three, they call it unfavorable intermediate type 2B. Now that requires not one modality of treatment, but according to standard of care, two modalities of treatment. So it could mean radiation plus, I'm going to say this, but it just makes me disgusted every time I do, hormone deprivation therapy. Yeah, Lupron, and, they, and Lupron only works for two years. So that's, that's not an option for me. I, I looked at my doctor on a Zoom call like this, I put my middle finger up in his face and I won't do it on your camera. And I told him, F you, no way. And he dropped his head like this and he looked back up at me and he said, I had a feeling you were going to say that. I said, good. We're not discussing it anymore because I, Clark Bartram, the guy who's taught men how to boost their testosterone naturally online for years, how, how ironic and is that, that that is the treatment that they want to give me. And you mentioned Lupron. So let's talk about that for a second. Lupron is the same drug you would give me if I was transitioning from male to female. And typically that is not in a two minute conversation with a doctor. That is a two year conversation. Are you sure you want to do this? Come on. This is a big deal. You're going from a man to a woman. You're going to go through menopause. You realize that you're going to start growing breasts, right? And they go through counselor and counselor to get this person Lupron when I now am faced with a two-minute decision of getting on that exact same drug that would do the exact same thing. That makes no sense. Now, the, the person out here listening is, but Clark, you could die. That's why it's rushed so much. No, because we just said, most men are not going to die from prostate cancer. It's the second leading cause of death in cancer to men, only because of the amount of men that will get it. That takes us back to the beginning of our conversation. Go get checked then. Go get checked. Get my kit. <laughs> that's that's exactly <laughs> it. And Clark, you you are, well, you are an inspiration. And uh, even though it's an emotion, you do motivate us 
And uh, so I appreciate that. And ladies and gentlemen, hey, when it comes to fitness, if it comes to eating right, make the commitment and don't kick yourself uh, down if you screw up on one meal or you screw up in the day. And if it's your birthday, <clears throat> eat the cake. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, but uh, uh, Clark, where can all of my viewers and listeners learn more about you and get that PSA kit? So I just revamped my website, ClarkBartramSystems.com. There's a whole host of great things on there. And then I also have my other not-for-profit website, CheckItLikeAMan.org. And then I also am doing a big fundraising campaign to get money to put me on more shows like this. I'm flying everywhere. I'm also doing a documentary about my process of discovery and learning this and the goal is to really create a piece of content that's in long form documentary style that can be delivered so men can sit down and watch me driving six hours not the whole thing but you know what i mean to a doctor to learn more about this to educate men on the things that they won't hear when they're just sitting there talking to their urologist scared and like, I got to get this taken care of. I want to expose them to different ways to treat this and different ways to think about this. And more importantly, a different way to approach this because you got this, but you got to check it like a man first. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going to speak to the gentleman out there. Head over to checkitlikeaman.org. Also head over to clarkbartramsystems.com to learn more about fitness, get his PSA screening kit, and so much more. And Clark, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the program and educating us. And uh, much, well, I I'm, I'm hate to say good luck to you, but a good health to you. I appreciate it very much. This has been a pleasure. I enjoyed it. And thank you for allowing me on your platform. It really does mean a lot for me to have access to opportunities like this to really spread the message. So thank you. Hey, absolutely. And keep us posted on your journey uh, because I'm believing and going to stand in agreement with you that you're going to beat this thing and you're going to bring us more educational information how more men, millions of men around the country can, well not only check their prostate health, but in case they get the diagnosis, they can beat it as well. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, head over to checkitlikeaman.org and clarkbartramsystems.com and learn so much more. This man is an inspiration. We need to be inspired. And hey, we need to make the commitment to better health. And we have the choice to be a little bit more disciplined in those choices because look, it may hurt a little at the beginning, but boy, the results come. And I will tell you this, then you're not going to want to go back to the past. You're going to be focused on a healthier future. And it's people like Clark Bartram that gives us that inspiration, that commitment, and that discipline. So for all of you out there, I want to thank you for watching and listening, and I'll see you next time.